This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Happy Monday and welcome back to the WOMED. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Kim Darpo, a registered nurse working in the ER, a blogger, and a mama in Atlanta. Kim and I talk about nursing school while pregnant, her journey with her newest baby, and a tough but needed conversation on diversity in healthcare. I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Nurse D energy. Y'all, I've got crickets in my DMs. I mean, y'all are commenting on stories and people you'd like me to have on the podcast. Sorry, not being anti-men. I love them, but they have their own space to get away. This is ours. But nothing yet in response to my request to know how we are showing up for each other. I get it. It's hard. You don't want to say the wrong thing or have something be taken out of context, and you might be scared of exposing your fragility. I am all of those things. So maybe it's helpful if I keep sharing pieces of my journey right now and how I am working through racism and bias in myself. I am guilty of just posting and reposting things in my stories. I am guilty of performative activism. But be assured now, if I repost something, it's because it's important. That post is saying what I haven't been able to, or that is a black voice that I believe is important to listen to, and that has helped me break things down. I don't know what to post on my personal grid on Instagram. Because being attacked by white people or constructively criticized by black people makes me defensive initially. And I have to check my privilege and my fragility there. If you're quick to get defensive, please first ask yourself why. Because I've been there. But as someone who has devoted the majority of their life to helping people, my silence isn't helping. Your silence isn't helping. If a doctor accidentally wrote for the wrong dosing on a drip, making it lethal, or you saw your fellow nurse about to give a med wrong, would you be silent and let more harm be done? No, you'd say, stop, hold up. Wait, did you mean to write for this dose? You'd stop the harm being done. Please start having these conversations and keep having them. It's not easy. It's not easy for anyone. But there are people that are willing to discuss these topics. Today on the WOMED, I'm being joined by Nurse Kim Darpo. So welcome, Kim. I'm so excited. Did I say your last name right? Yes, you said it perfectly. Thank you so much for welcoming me on. Yes, I'm so happy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, actually. Today is my off day, clearly. Yes. My kids are literally in my bedroom with my husband, so we shouldn't have any interruptions. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love a good supportive husband. Absolutely. So blessed to have him. I I stalk everybody's like Instagrams and like Google everybody. And I've I've been actually following you for for a minute now. And you just have such a beautiful family. And you just had a little boy. I did. Yes, he's three months now. Oh my gosh. Doesn't even seem like it. But yes, he's growing up and happy, healthy baby. So I couldn't be more happy. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. So did you just start back to work then? Or were you able to take like a full time off? Yeah. So I had him on February 27th. And I was out for about a good two and a half months. And I returned back to work in May, May 13th to be exact. And so I've been back to work for now about a good month and a half, going on close to two months. So, man, you just, you went right back to work in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly. It's so <laughs> crazy because right after I had my baby, of course, you know, we were still pre-pandemic and, you know, all the visiting rules were normal and now it's like people who are my friends who are pregnant now or people that I know are pregnant everything's completely changed you only have one visitor you know and yeah it's just really tough so I feel for anyone who's pregnant right now and can't have that support system physically in the room with you with your visit your doctor visits and things like that it's, it's gotta be tough for sure oh my gosh I can't imagine I just had a friend deliver I think Callie's like a week she's like a week and a half old now wow yeah, brand new. 
Congrats to her. Oh, <laughs> she needs it. Her epidural wore off and it was a nine pound, six ounce baby. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a um, big baby. <laughs> big, she, yeah, she's a big girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, she was like, it's just, it's so weird. Like, I can't. I can't have anyone come over and visit. Um, And there's lots of, you know, family members who, you know, maybe don't live like close to like, like pregnant women and suffering or women who have just delivered. And I just can't imagine not having, I mean, I'm obviously, I've never been pregnant. I don't have any kids, but not having that extra support, even be able to like come in and visit. Exactly. It definitely, I'm sure it takes a toll on anyone who's going through that right now because I couldn't even imagine not having all of my support system there with me, you know? Yeah. Well, I am such a huge fan of breastfeeding. And I was like scrolling through all your posts and I saw that you, I mean, obviously I worked in the NICU. I am like mom's milk first. It's awesome. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but it was I love seeing that you were so passionate about breastfeeding for your second pregnancy. Yes, definitely. So my breastfeeding journey is completely different this second time around versus when I had my daughter. Yeah. So I was in nursing school when I had my daughter and mm-hmm. I had to take like a few months off to, um, to deliver her. And my mindset was not honestly there on breastfeeding. Literally when someone asked me, did you want, do you want to breastfeed your child? I was like, what like breastfeeding like we can do formula you know yeah. it's not against anyone who uses formula the formula is great my daughter used it and she was fine but mm-hmm. I just never even realized like that second option or even tried to really get into that so when I delivered her I tried breastfeeding for about two and a half months close to three mm-hmm. and it was just really it was really really tough for me I think mainly was because I was not really truly committed to it. So it was just difficult, like going out and then having to figure out, oh, I have to find the spot to breastfeed her. You know, Mm -hmm. I have to um, make sure I have milk prepared. But with the second time around having my son, I researched breastfeeding like in and out. So I knew almost (laughs) everything you needed to know about it. And Amazing. um, I looked up, yeah, I watched other people's journeys via YouTube and saw like how did they had their milk prepared when they went out in places because that was my huge thing. I was like, okay, well, when I'm out in public at a public event or if I have to go to a store, like how mm-hmm. am I going to, you know, breastfeed, you know? But the fact of the matter is that me being truly committed to it and having a completely different mindset towards breastfeeding completely changed my whole entire outlook. So now when I'm out and about, I've had to like breastfeed my son. I have my um, breast cover ready, you know, mm-hmm. and I even always have milk already pumped. Like I even have a freezer stash with my daughter. That didn't even, that didn't even happen, you know? So I have That's tons amazing. of milk. Oh yeah. I have tons of milk already ready to go in the case of an emergency. And mm-hmm. I'm just always prepared. If anything, I'm overprepared in case anything ever comes up, you know, because I just really am truly committed and want to be successful doing this breastfeeding journey and I have been able to do it now for a full three months and we've been going strong my ultimate goal my ultimate goal was to do it for six months but I at this point I really think that I can go at least a year now so that's amazing yes yes (laughs) that's so great I mean obviously working in the NICU I've seen firsthand how difficult the whole breastfeeding journey and stuff can be and I just I mean, my hat, like, I just I tip it, my proverbial hat, I'm not wearing one right now, but, like, my hat's <laughs> off to to women that are able to to breastfeed, you know, um, because I've seen so many people struggle with it. You know, you have inverted nipples or, yeah. um, or just, like, a flat nipple or baby doesn't latch well or, you know, there's just, or you just don't have much milk production. And it's just, it just right. varies so much in in every body and I think it's something that like I've seen a lot of women take really personally if like they weren't able to and yeah was that like ever an issue for you the first time around definitely because with uh, when my first time around when I breastfeed when I was breastfeeding my daughter I didn't know everything that I need to know about breastfeeding that I know now so mm-hmm. I really didn't get the whole idea of supply and demand so yeah. I would go hours sometimes without breastfeeding and mm-hmm. I didn't realize how, 
how badly my supply would be depleted because of that. And yes. so, and you know that once you start depleting your supply, it's harder to get it back, you know? And so yeah. that really affected me. And so ultimately that's what ended my breastfeeding journey with my daughter. But mm-hmm. this time around, because I know the fact of supply and demand and how important that is, I make sure that even when I'm away from my son, I have my pump in the trunk. So if I have to pump, yeah. I'm going to go pump, you know? So the supply and demand has been great. If anything, I have a little bit of an oversupply still um, in three months, which is good. So with that oversupply, like I said, I've been freezing a lot of milk and have been able to stash it away in the freezer. He always has plenty. You know, if he wants to drink more, he can drink more. And like I said, even in that moment, if I don't have enough in me, I can always just take a bag from the freezer and give it to him and not have to worry about, oh, is my son getting enough milk? You know, Mm -hmm. so it's just been so much easier the second time around. Like, I just can't explain like how how great it's been compared to the first time around. And really the difference has been just my knowledge and knowing what to do. And I also love Milky Mama. That's like one of my great resources too. Yeah. In terms of, uh, yeah. So I learned a lot from that page as well. And I know that if my supply does start to deplete later on, I know that there are ways to, get a handle on that right away if it does happen or wouldn't happen. So that's just amazing. I love that there's so many resources and stuff out there now for, I mean, just like on social media, like people are building entire brands around breastfeeding and like, proper, you know, just, just resources. I mean, obviously you have to research your resources. Yes, of course. (laughs) And and kind of like vet those out. But did you have any lactation consultants or anything like that that were like access to them that were like really helpful or when I delivered my son they actually had a lactation specialist come to our room which is part of the protocol like when you have a baby they have someone come to the room so Mm -hmm. she came and she asked me about you know dogs I playing the best feed and for how long and we talked about because you know when you first have a baby you have the colostrum milk that's in your breast and so that is what comes first before the milk comes in. And so mm-hmm. she was teaching me about how, um, you know, when your baby's first born, they only need like a teeny little bit of drops of colostrum and that's enough for their stomach. And I was sitting there like, what? Like, that's it? I know, it's wild. <laughs> but we yeah, it's like, but their stomach is literally so small. So yeah, that those drops of colostrum is enough to fill them up. And so she was also teaching me about how you can um, hand express your milk and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um she showed me how to get more colostrum out because when my son um, was first born, he did a lot of cluster feeding. And I felt like, you know, he kept wanting to get on and on. And I was like, is yes. he getting anything out? So she literally helped me like hand express the colostrum out to get him a little bit more. Um, and we fed that through him to him through a syringe. So that was really cool. But other um, when I left the hospital, I didn't get any further lactation consoles. Like I said, I really just researched myself, mm-hmm. um, whether it was through Milky Mama's page or whether it was just going on YouTube and looking at other people's breastfeeding journeys. And that really has helped me to get as far as I am today. I love it. That's, that's amazing. I mean, you, uh, you might even get to a point where you have like, you're, you're done breastfeeding. He's however long you decide to feed him like breast milk, the importance of like even donating like extra milk yeah. like if like you if you have that stash and you're like okay well he's like three years old what am I gonna do with all this? exactly like this milk anymore <laughs> yeah but that's one thing that's always been so helpful like even in the NICU like if we had a protocol for you know all babies like born under like 20 30 weeks like when we started feeds we wanted to have donor breast milk so that's awesome yeah So if it were, you know, a mom was having trouble pumping, you know, or her supply wasn't like as, as much as like a baby was eating, you know, we could, we could supplement with like some donor milk and stuff like that too. So it's so important. So, so if anyone out there is listening and they have any extra milk, there's, there's milk banks that you can, you can donate to and it's extremely helpful. (laughs) Us sneaky nurses love it. (laughs) Yeah, because there's so many people who want to breastfeed or are not able to for whatever reason. So I think that it's a beautiful thing that you can donate your milk to a bank like that. That's definitely what I would consider if I have a whole bunch left over once my journey is over. 
you know, because liquid is gold. The liquid is gold. And, you know, you don't want to just throw it away. You know, no, at least I don't. <laughs> you worked hard for it. You worked really yes, hard for it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love, yeah, I'm so pro breastfeeding. So, I mean, I, I, I know, like, I, I don't want to offend anybody that's listening. Yeah. That, you know, is having trouble or like they don't want to. I mean, formula has advanced so far. Uh, it has. And I've been on both ends of it. So I know for a fact that anyone who formula feeds a child is not terrible. My daughter did it and she's just fine. So, yes. You know, yes. There, there are many options for, for feeding baby. So, yes. What's up, numers and soon-to-be numers? We all have health goals and want to feel good in our bodies. My journey with Noom has been slow and steady, hiccups and slip-ups, but the progress I have made has lasted. Noom is focused on self-care and teaching you the psychology behind why you make the choices you do. Then they help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps and logging your food. I'm never hungry, and there are so many delicious recipes available. You also have your very own goal specialist you can message anytime. Mine is Dana, and she is so helpful, and she challenges me. Noom makes it easy to learn about the different things that affect your weight. From hormones to stress and healthy changes to make in your everyday life, I'm learning to manage my habits and, most importantly, my sweet tooth. Noom is a habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. We are all strapped for time. Noom just asks you to commit 10 minutes a day for yourself. Instead of scrolling Instagram as soon as I wake up, I take that time to read through articles and quizzes provided to me on Noom. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, that's N-O-O-M dot com slash WOMED. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash WOMED and sign up for your trial today. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash WOMED. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. What led you into nursing in, in general? Like, not not baby nursing, but, you know, <laughs> the medical nursing. <laughs> so, huh. It wasn't like um, I didn't have a family member who was sick or anything at the time that maybe wanted to do nursing. To be honest, my personality has always just been kind of a caring and nurturing spirit. And mm-hmm. so to me, nursing just made sense. So I always knew from high school, like when I get out of high school, I'm going to go straight to nursing school. And so literally when I graduated, that's exactly what I did. Um, when I graduated, yeah, I graduated from um, Chamberlain University in 2017. Awesome. Yes, I did. And in terms of the specialty I've chose, I'm in emergency uh, medicine. So I'm an emergency ER nurse. And what made me want to choose that particular specialty is that after going through my clinicals and seeing all the different specialties, it was either between that and labor and delivery, to be honest, because I really love labor and delivery. I love women's health in general. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, this would be a great fit for me as well. But ultimately, I decided to start off in emergency, in the emergency room, because I was like, I want to see a little bit of everything. And Mm -hmm. I want to kind of have a good foundation to know a little bit of this and that. So I was like, I think that this will be the perfect specialty for me. So I chose that. And I've been doing it now for almost three years. It'll be three years and the end of July. So happy anniversary. I know. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be three years in July and it's been a wild ride in the beginning. You know, of course I was scared, nervous, and just felt like, oh my gosh, am I going to make it? You know, especially when you have those really tough days, you're like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this, but I just kept showing up. And now here we are three years and almost three years into this journey. And it's been, it's been awesome. Well, you've made it past a really critical hump. I feel like that two year mark in nursing is so, the first two years make or break you. 
Right. I think that's when Absolutely. you see a lot of turnover and stuff is like is like after that two year mark. Either nurses are going back to school or they're like, nope, this is not for me. Right. <laughs> yep. I think two years is definitely the amount of time for most people to start seeing like if they like this still or not and they want to switch or do whatever else they plan to do for sure. Yeah. And the ER is so cool too. I the ER always intimidated me. I was always very scared as a as a new <laughs> nurse and I like to have like a routine. And I feel like in the ER there's not really a routine because like you never know what's yeah. gonna come through the door, which some exactly. people thrive in. You know, I, I love the super high acuity. You know, as I got like further in my nursing career, I was like, yeah, let's bring on the super <laughs> high acuity transports. Give me that meconium aspiration. Oh, we have an ECMO alert. Let's go. You know, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like that all comes with your comfort level in nursing. Yeah. So if anyone's like waiting for that period to kick in, like it, it'll come. <laughs> but it will. It will. Yeah. But you see some amazing and just crazy things in the NICU. I mean, we'd we'd get called down for, you know, deliveries like the NICU team would for like car accidents. You, you see trauma, you see yeah. drug overdose, you see, I mean, everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, just about everything. It's just the only difference is that you're dealing with babies, you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So wow. true. Is your ER supportive of breastfeeding mothers? Like, like staff moms? Yes. And it's so funny because I actually have a couple other coworkers who are still currently breastfeeding. So we sometimes get together and just talk about how's your journey going? Like, how's your supply been? Um, like, what what do you do if your supplies have gone down? Like, we just sit there and talk about that stuff because we can bond with that. You have such a good support group. I definitely do. And, you know, we have a lactation area at our hospital. So when I do go pump, I go straight to the lactation um, room. And the beautiful thing about it is that it's literally right next to our ER. So I'm like, I'll pick the perfect perfect. spot. Yeah. So I can just go straight off the floor and go right to the lactation area and pump there. And they have their own separate rooms. And it's a nice little setting. Like it literally feels like a, almost like a sitting area. You know, like a little little nook in someone's home where there's like a chair, there's a table, there's a lamp. There's a little mirror there. And of course, outside the um, room, there's a sink for you to wash your hands or to wash your pump parts if need be, which I do after um, every pump, every pumping session. So I definitely feel like I have the support that I need to continue my journey, even while being a nurse, because that's another thing that I was kind of nervous about. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't know if I'll have the time to do it, but. In the ER, is it's hard to do because mm-hmm. we are busy literally from the time we start nearly to the end of the shift. So I've learned that, you know, I have to sometimes force the time to go. So literally, if I have all my patients are good, nobody's crashing. I'm like, all right, <laughs> now the time to go pump. It's been a few, it's been a while. I need to go pump. I have to feed my baby. And, you know, I, by all means, I'm going to do what I need to do to continue this journey successfully. So yeah, sometimes you just have to make that time to do it. Yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of the moms and stuff that I've worked with have kind of been on the same page. You know, it's like you only have so much time in your shift. Like people think, you know, nurses are sitting around, you know, we aren't really doing that much and you're you're constantly running. And then to like fit in time to, to pump and then a a lunch break. I mean, a lot of my friends would (laughs) buy both. Yeah, they'll be like, well, I'm yeah. going to take my lunch and pump break. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you just got to do what you got to do to make it work. You do. Where there's a will, there's a way, you know? So you have to sometimes, like I said, make an effort to do it. And that effort goes a long way. Yeah. I also loved the post that you did about kind of centering around diversity in healthcare and how you walked into the room and one of your patients was like, just so excited that you were going to be her nurse and like just yeah. bombarded you with questions, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is so great because, and that's, that's what like I'm trying to do here too with like, I mean, I know I, I have like a younger population that listens to this and, and a bunch of people who are already like in the working force, but I want everyone that comes here to be like, oh, hey, 
I recognize and I see myself in this person. I recognize and see myself in this person. And I really like feel pulled with like their journey. So was there anyone in your family that was in healthcare too that you kind of looked up to or? No, no. So (laughs) I'm the only one currently. My sister also wanted to be a nurse. She's passed away um, recently. But I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But other than that, I'm the only one in the healthcare field right now. At a point in time, my brother, um, one of my older brothers said they wanted to be a nurse, but he kind of changed course. And now he's trying to just figure out exactly what he wants to do. But Mm -hmm. I'm the only one. So a lot of times my mom will come to me and ask me questions or even my friends. They'll be like, you know, this medication or, oh, you know, yeah. what's your take on this? So I'm sure you can relate to that. Like when you're that nurse oh, yeah. everyone knows. So like, can you look at this mole? No, I can't. <laughs> exactly. You're like, no, just go to your primary care doctor. I cannot help you right now with that one. And sometimes you will know some of the things they ask you about, especially if it's a common medication that um, relates to your specialty. Like I work yeah. in the ER, so a lot of the common medications for pain and stuff we see. And so I'm like, yeah, that's a pain medication, you know, take it as a PRN or whatever. But yeah, so I am the only one in healthcare. I do have a lot of friends in healthcare, but in terms of my family, I'm the only one. I was I was really lucky that I had a grandma who um, was a nurse and just kind of like hearing about her story and journey through medicine was just always just amazing, you know, like in towards the end of her life, just kind of comparing stories and she'd, (laughs) she was really cute, (laughs) really great grandma. But what was nursing school like for you? You just graduated. Well, not just like three years ago. You said 27. What was your experience like in nursing school? So overall, my experience with nursing school, it was challenging. I made a lot of sacrifices. It was amazing. It was the ball of emotions. You know, you go through, yeah. you literally go through a ball of emotions in nursing school. There were times I would cry. I remember when I failed my critical care nursing class and I went home and bawled for the whole day. <laughs> like yeah. I thought the world was over. And um, it's so funny because I cried for like two days about it. And then, you know, I was like, all right, we have to stop crying. We just have to figure this out. And of course I retook the class and passed, but those challenges, I learned so much through through that or what we look at as, you know, a defeat or whatever. And I realized that it only made me stronger. And I realized that failing a class does not mean that you're not going to be a great nurse. Mm-hmm. Failing the NCLEX once or twice does not, does not mean that you're going to be a wonderful nurse. Like I've seen so many ends with the special where, People have maybe failed the NCLEX a couple of times and they're still stellar and excellent nurses. And it's people that you would never even imagine. It'll be like that senior nurse who's like won a Daisy Award and you'll be like, what? You failed that class, you know? So yeah. it doesn't make it doesn't make you and it doesn't define you. You can't let, you know, those things do that to you. So I learned through that and I still overcame it. And even when I graduated from nursing school, of course, I still had challenges um when I was on orientation through the emergency um for the emergency department and I was just like okay I'm not that great at doing IVs I don't know if I can stick someone but now that's like the least of my worries because we do it all the time and I'm pretty good at it now so you know you just realize that as long as you just take one day at a time you keep showing up putting in the effort like you will get through these difficult times the nursing school taught me a lot about myself. It taught me that I have so much more resilience than I ever thought I did, especially when I went through a whole pregnancy in nursing school. Like I would have never imagined I could do that. I remember I was literally about two or three months pregnant and I had clinical at a nursing home and I had nausea and vomiting like crazy. And I always do when I get pregnant. But mm-hmm. it was particularly a little bit worse with my daughter. And I remember I had to go to the bathroom and throw up and I just felt so faint. Like I was like, I need to just sit, have a seat and sit down. So I remember telling like one of my professors, like, can I just have a seat? You know, <laughs> I'm not yeah. feeling too well right now. But nevertheless, I still made it through, you know. So I just learned that no matter what challenge you're facing, as long as you face it head on, you can and you will get through it, you know. 
I love that. That's that's such great advice. And it and I think that's going to resonate with a lot of women in nursing school and stuff right now, too. And, and even just graduating from nursing school. I mean, yeah, the the NCLEX, I, I mean, like I remember walk. I don't remember my walk back to the car when my mom came and picked me up because <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. I failed it. <laughs> I definitely failed it. I mean, and, and I. I didn't, but I was like, I know I was close. <laughs> I know right. Like, You're like, there's no way. <laughs> those numbers kept creeping up. And like, I think I did like all 247 questions or however much it is. And I I'm know. like, I definitely failed. <laughs> I definitely failed. <laughs> I know. I did like 90 something questions. And I, when it went past 75, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> like yeah. Each question that kept telling me, I was like, did I pass? I don't know what's going on right now. I keep getting questions when will this end? <laughs> I know. There's so much anxiety around that. And that forces you to like, like not go with your gut. And like that test is right. like rigged to have you fail. So like if you pass it, like even if you don't pass it right away, like that test is trying its hardest to fail you. <laughs> it is like, it's like a mind game, you know, it kind of like psychs you out, you know? Yeah. Like, even like select all that pie. I remember people kept saying like, if you get a lot of selects all applied, then it means that, you know, you're not doing good or something. And I remember I didn't get hardly any select all that applied on my in-class test. And I was like, what does this mean? You know, so yeah, and I passed, but it was, it was just crazy how like you would listen to everyone's little stories about the in-class and then kind of have your own mindset on what it would be like when you're actually taking it and stuff. So Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. And then just starting starting your first job too I mean there's just you're yes. you're a force I mean I can't imagine doing nursing school having a baby like taking a short break and then re- getting right back in yeah. getting right back into it that's incredible thank you <laughs> took a lot of support um, my husband my friends my family they were so supportive the entire time and without them it would be even harder so I'm so grateful for all of them as well <laughs> oh. That's amazing, man. I like, where'd we be without that support? I know it can never be understated. It's so important to have a support system, whether it's one or two people, that's better than nothing. You know, yes. I was blessed to have several people in my life, but mm-hmm. I, I just can't spend enough to have at least one person you can count on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Friend, family, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a book whatever it is right yes whatever it is we I mean and that's what I love so much about the nursing community I mean like there is like a handful of nurse bullying and stuff like that that goes on but I feel like as a whole there's more people in nursing that are supportive of each other I agree I completely agree and I feel like especially with the Instagram community Mm -hmm. in particular when it comes to nursing it's such a beautiful thing. I, I remember getting on Instagram as like, you know, um, with the niche of nursing, like shortly after I graduated school. And it's just beautiful to see how it's grown from 2017 till now. Like I've seen the growth. I've seen people's journeys. And it's just been so beautiful to watch and see people grow over the years. That's amazing. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com. We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. I want to kind of circle back to diversity in healthcare and and why it's so important and why it's so needed. And back when I was working in the NICU, this was a couple of years ago, but we were doing this program. It was kind of like a preceptor training, but more geared at partnering up experienced nurses with new grads that are, that were already trained on the unit to try and prevent like our ridiculously high unit turnover rates. Mm-hmm. And one of our managers that was leading it, um, was using it as credit towards like her advanced degree or dissertation or something like that. And she said something that really struck me. And she said that they were going around to different nursing schools in Nashville to recruit nurses to the NICU. 
and talk about like why it was like such a great profession, great place to work. And, and this very much could be just like her take on it. But she said that like, she went and gave talks and it like two of the like more predominantly black or POC populated schools, the students were like, you actually want us. Like, we didn't think we could get hired into NICUs or more specialized care settings. And I was just, yeah. And I was like, what, what? Like I had this whole, like, what the fuck moment? Like, why wouldn't you be able to get hired here to a unit that you were passionate about? Like we all take the NCLEX, we all have, you know, that drive. And I just felt like, I was like, am I, is this just my white privilege showing that like, is there just that big of a divide like between, you know, different nursing schools or I started running down. I mean, we had like 200, almost like 300 nurses in our unit. We maybe had like three black nurses, two Latinx, like we had three black RTs. And I'm like, this is, this is really, this is not okay. (laughs) Like why, why aren't there more? Why aren't there more? Yeah, that's, that's really crazy. Unfortunately, I have, I've had that, I've heard that story before. And especially when it comes to certain specialties, such as NICU, I've heard people say that the friends that I know, like, you know, they usually don't hire, you know, people of color, like on this unit, you know, and people come to that assumption because if you look on the unit and you see like, there's no one that looks like you. So it's like, yeah, what is really going on? Like, we're, of course, we're all just as capable mm-hmm. as any of the other nurses on that floor. So then you start to wonder, like, why is it that we don't have much better diversity in healthcare? Because there are many, many nurses who are, whether you're Black or Latina uh, or whatever it may be. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all take that NCLEX. We all yeah. graduate from reputable nursing schools. Yeah. And it's like, if you want, you want to start a specialty and you kind of get discouraged to even apply because you look on a unit and there's no one that looks like you. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't work on certain units because there's no one that looks like them. And that can be, and it's intimidating. It's intimidating when you are in a work environment and there's no one on the unit that looks like you. And I've heard stories from other nurses where you know, they worked in a predominantly units that they don't have much diversity. And also when they end up leaving the unit, like whether it's a year or two later. But I think that it just goes to show that diversity uh, is needed, is needed. Like it shouldn't be an option, you know? Yeah. And I think that in the times that we are in now, I think that people are pushing for it harder than ever. And I think, and I really, uh, look at, I'm really looking forward to really seeing like, the progress that we make because I'm hopeful mm-hmm. that um, everyone's eyes are being opened and everyone can start to become a part of the solution rather than be a part of the problem and see that you can hire people or hire people that is a reflection of, you know, our nursing community, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of my take on it. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. I, I've been working really hard to over the last, I'd say like couple, like a little, like around like a year now <laughs> that, and I, I hate even just saying like, yeah, in the last year I've done all this work um, <laughs> <laughs> because it just, yeah, it. It just, yeah. again, it's like, there's my white privilege. Yeah. But for me, it kind of started around, I mean, hearing that conversation and like that coming from you know, one of my managers, but then really starting to question myself with, you know, like volunteer trips and stuff that I would take like medically based ones, but still like the whole white savior complex. And then just kind of sort of like opening up and rolling through this whole, how have I been part of the problem? And I'm really encouraged now, like with all of the voices being amplified and stuff in social media and, you know, trying to do my part in that, but also not, you know, like asking someone to, you know, like relive the trauma, you know, or like, just like come on the podcast and be like, here, tell me your story. Tell me all about this, you know, like, right. 
completely understand. And these are tough conversations. And I think a lot of people don't realize because sometimes we we go through our experiences and we kind of just like to, we kind of internalize that and we like to mm-hmm. kind of put it in the back of our minds and want to forget about it. And so like when we start having these conversations, it's hard to have these open and honest conversations, but it's important that we do that because mm-hmm. what I'm seeing uh, and the positive light of this is that many people's eyes are not being open. So now when you go to work and you start looking at your units, like maybe you wouldn't have done that a couple of months ago. Yeah. Now you're seeing like, okay, why don't we have more diversity? We should mm-hmm. get more diversity. And then you can start pushing that to the managers or to your chargers or whoever that you need to address the issue with so that that can start being implemented. You know, yes. so I think these conversations are just so needed. I agree. And I've something that I've been thinking about too, especially with regards to like the healthcare systems is that, you know, if by increasing diversity, will that help us weed out and like silence racism within healthcare? I feel like, like that will be like a major step in helping that. But like, and especially with like racial disparities in healthcare, like within like different populations that we care for. Yeah, I just hope that this does, you know, this time period, you know, people are listening more and, and like you said, like seeing things on their unit and making them, you know, emboldened to take these cases to their managers and be like, how can we change this? How can we support more nurses of color in the workforce? Absolutely. I completely agree. And I also think that when you have some of the benefits of having diversity on your units is that, you know, you can relate to your patients more. I mean, mm-hmm. all of your patients are not going to be white. Sometimes you're going to have Hispanic patients, you're going to have mm-hmm. black patients. And even with the Hispanic community, like sometimes we get patients that come into our ER that speak no English, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes it's very helpful to have someone on your unit that is um, of Hispanic descent and can speak the language. So yeah. That's just one simple example, but it's not just, you know, about making the unit look good. It's also about having a better relationship with our patients. So, yes. And just having your patients feel safe, too, Mm -hmm. because there's so much rooted history. And I mean, God, we like. the, The medical history, like in this country alone, is just. It makes it's me mind-boggling and it, sad. It is. <laughs> it makes me want to vomit. And like, you wonder why there's so much distrust, especially in, you know, Black communities and not wanting yeah. to go to the doctor. It's like, well, yeah, we, we tested on you. Like, exactly. Yeah. And that's the uncomfortable truth. Like, you know, for a long time, Black people were used as essentially experiments. Um, yeah. You can look at the Tuskegee. Oh, God. Yeah even in the day where I can't remember this surgeon's name, but there was a surgeon who wanted to experiment on a black woman surgery without having any anesthesia. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, I I just, I just don't understand. And it really just breaks my heart. And like I said, those things like the, the distrust of doctors, um, especially ones that may not look like you, Mm-hmm. It stems from these things that happened in our past. And once you start having these uncomfortable conversations, we can start having an understanding of why people feel the way they do or mm-hmm. why we're at this point, you know? Yeah. Oh, I just think it's so important. Like, I, I mean, what, what can we, what can I as a, as a white nurse do to better show up? Yeah. I think that you've already been doing some of it, which is amazing. So I will say, continue to do what you're doing, such as amplifying our voices, letting our stories be heard, mm-hmm. continue to advocate for um, other nurses that don't look like you, uh, as well as patients too. I think that all of that combined is going to help build a better trust within all of us and also in the nursing community so that we can help propel some of these changes that need to be implemented. I, I agree. It's taking those steps and it's, it just has to be done. It's it, like, it just, it, like, there's no going back. Like we can't, like, there's no, so many people that no. are like, 
at this point, we can only go forward. Yeah, like we can no longer turn a blind eye. We just can't. It does a disservice to all of us. And, you know, we have to see change. And I think that's why so many people are demanding it now. Yeah. And I'm glad. I I mean, like, I'm trying. I hope that other white people are trying. And I see and I see a lot of people, you know, trying and, and just, you know, we're not... I'm not going to get it right every time. Uh, there's there's a lot I'm still learning, but like, just try, you know, like, mm-hmm. just just use your voice. Like, just if you see something like just say it, like stand up, stand up for people. Yeah. Yeah. If you see something wrong or you hear someone in your unit saying something mm-hmm. that's crazy or has no place, then speak up. I mean, it can start as simple as that. Yeah. And, you know, if that person is willing to have an honest conversation with you, then they can also learn something because a lot of things that people say that are considered racist, a lot of it stems from not having the knowledge, you know, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't discredit people who just say stupid things because they just want to, and they just stuck in, they're stuck in their space and don't want to do better. That, that is, there's a group of those people too. (laughs) Those people, you know, that's a different conversation for those people, but for the people that genuinely don't know, like, oh my gosh, like the story just came to my mind. I remember in nursing school, I had, um, we were in clinical support and one of my fellow other nursing students, she was at a completely different clinical place. And I remember her telling me, um, she had a, her, um, the person that she was working with that day was a white nurse. She was a great nurse. And she said, you know, she learned so much from her, but she remembers literally going into, she came out of the room, you know, and they were kind of discussing what was going on with the patient. And she said that, that she tried to rub their skin with like an alcohol pad. And she said, because she thought that their skin tone was dirty. And she, she did not realize literally that their skin tone was not dirt. Like they were just brown skin, you know? It's so. Wow. I just thought that that was really, and she met, she said this nurse, you know, literally meant no harm by that, but she just did not realize that literally like this skin tone can be this color and it not be dirt, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's crazy, you know, but things wow. like this are really happening, you know? And that was what years ago, you know? So I would just mean, we were just like, wow, that's really crazy. I feel like from what I'm, what I'm seeing, you know, like in the news and on social media, like I feel, I feel like things are changing. I feel like, yeah, people are, people are opening their eyes. White people are opening their eyes. White people are trying yes. to like unlearn and, and do this work. And I just, I'm really grateful that you, you had this honest conversation with me. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you taking, taking the time to do that. I really do. Of course, anytime, anytime. And like, I I agree with you in the sentiment that I do feel like things are changing and that, like you said, white people's eyes are being opened up to the history of our country Mm -hmm. as it relates to social issues and in healthcare. So I'm very hopeful that we will start to see that change. We just have to keep pressing and keep demanding it and keep fighting for it. And know that we're not going to give up. I'm not giving up, you know, and I'm not giving up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) None of us are giving up until we start seeing the change. Yes. Well, Kim, what is, what's next for you? What, what do you have like any projects that you're working on or you have a blog is, is your blog or do you have like a separate like blog space? Yes. So I am working on a couple of different things that I'm not yet ready to announce. Um, okay. But in addition to that, yeah. When you're ready, but, you can come yeah, back on when here. When I'm ready, and... I will announce those two things. And yes. It's going to be on my website. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. it's going to be on my website soon. So uh, for those who are interested, uh, just be on a lookout for that. And Perfect. in addition to that, I do ultimately plan to become a nurse practitioner. So I plan Heck. on, yeah, I plan on um, going back to school soon. So um just... Uh, I just had a baby, so I'm just trying to get into, you know, get used to my new normal now with having yes. a, two kids now in my life. And once I get used to that, then I will start looking into schools and applying 
And uh, what else am I doing? Those are really my main things in terms of healthcare that I'm doing. I'm really excited for the two things and I can't get announced, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm excited for, yeah, I can't announce it today, but in the next coming few weeks, that will be up and running on my website. And I'm very excited for it. That's amazing. And I, I'll, I will shout out everything that you're doing. Thank you. Well, can tell people where they can find you right now and kind of follow along with your journey. Yes. So you can follow me on Instagram at Nurse Kim Darpo. My last name is spelled D-A-R-P-O-H. And you can also subscribe to my website and read my blogs. And my blogs range from anything from about pregnancy. I even have a blog about grieving. I also have a blog about traveling. So it's not just about nursing for those who want to hear something other than nursing. Because <laughs> nurses is... do it all. We have a lot exactly. going on. <laughs> right. We wear many hats, as you already yes. know. Um, <laughs> but you can go to my website, uh, and that is nursekimdarpo.com. So my Instagram page is nursekimdarpo, and my website is nursekimdarpo.com. Perfect. I will link all of those in the show notes so people can find you. Thank you. Kim, thank you again so much for coming on The Woman today. This is always here for you to to come on, to to talk about anything exciting going on in your life or anything that you need to talk through. So this is thank you. Here for you. I so appreciate it. <laughs> I'm so happy to get to know you today. You too. It's been awesome. And thank you so much for giving me a space on your platform, Danielle. And I love what you're doing. And I look forward to watching you continue to grow. And if you ever need anything from me, I'm always there to support whatever, you know, you have going on in the current future. I appreciate that so much. And this exact same sentiment right back to you. (laughs) Thank you. I am constantly grateful to the strong, empathetic, and empowering women who grace this podcast and have conversations with me. Nurse Kim is one of those people that upon meeting her, I couldn't see her because I don't use video for my interviews, but just I could hear her healing nature and just kind of feel that energy coming off of her. And it was beautiful. Please make sure follow along with Kim on Instagram at Nurse Kim Darpo. That's D-A-R-P-O-H. And on her gorgeous website, nursekimdarpo.com. As always, you can follow along with me at the WOMED or personally at DM Maltby. But please keep sending me your nursey energy moments. My DMs are lonely. Till next week, WOMED out. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.